T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Don't stress. Listen to the podcast at WTIC.com or on the free Odyssey app. Oh, what an energizing day. It's so exciting when the truth gets out. Just let the truth get out which we are eager to do here and we pursue every day. And the people in power, as you can see, don't like the truth getting out. They want to control the flow of information so they can distort perceptions to meet their needs. We'll talk more about that later, but you remember Dr. Harvey Risch. He is an epidemiologist and professor emeritus at Yale University. And he joined us uh, frequently over the past uh, couple of years, three years, I guess. And there's been so much that's changed with regard to uh, the truth about COVID. And you remember people like Dr. Risch were being maligned for following the science and accused of not being scientific in their pursuits because he was looking at the data. Harvey was looking at the data and drawing conclusions that an honest broker reaches when he's given the data. And it's not that he's got some exclusive right to the truth and that other people can't disagree. But the other side said people were bad who had opinions that the data brought them to. And so we're at a new point, I think, where the data is pointing in other directions. And and, uh, those same people who were pointing the finger before are now having to reassess the situation. So I thought it'd be a good time to check in. Dr. Risch, welcome back to WTIC. Thank you. Great to be with you again. Nice to have you here. So how do you feel about the environment now? Because you were you were in the line of fire and you were where all the heat was a couple of years ago. Do you feel like time has vindicated your position? Well, I think to some degree that we've seen that essentially everything that I said has proven to be true. And, you know, when you stick to reliable science, by and large, that happens. Um, and I've just tried to be the, as objective as I can with what I've been able to find out in aspects of, of the pandemic that I studied. Um, so we've learned uh, some remarkable things, actually. Um, we've learned that the, the vaccines have become very uh, weak at best in their controlling of transmission of the epidemic. We have, as a society, as, as humans altogether, totally lucked out with the occurrence of the Omicron strains that have um, 
made this disease from something that perhaps had to be taken a bit more seriously now to something which is on the order of, of a typical flu a typical flu is that disease. not a normal progression well it, it can be but you know you hope and you wait to see whether it happens and there's no guarantee in general viruses respiratory viruses like to find the perfect niche that allows them to spread as best they can and the the niche is totally dependent on human behaviors and human behaviors that promote the virus are people going to work while they're minimally symptomatic so that they're coughing and sneezing and spreading and if a virus made people so sick that they stayed home then only their family members would get it mm -hmm. and nobody else and since if they go to work the family members get it anyway so the optimal strategy is to make people not so sick and um, at least while people are infected not so sick and so that's where it, it reached, but there's no guarantee as to how long it would take to get there. Okay. And, and so fortunately, we got to there a little over a year ago, and that has made a total world of difference, both in the seriousness with which people have to take this infection, as well as the methods for managing it as a public health issue, and led to the realization when that happened that you don't manage a public health uh, issue of a mild disease like this by counting cases, by worrying about cases. You worry about what the cases do. If, the, if people get sick, really sick, like they get hospitalized or they die, you have to worry about that, how to prevent that. But you don't have to worry about case counts because, there's, because most people do perfectly well with it a couple of days, uh, you know, a, few, a week or so, uh, feeling uncomfortable and, and annoying this, with this aggravating uh, infection, respiratory infection, that more or less goes away on its own or or with easily obtainable treatments. That's not how you, you worry about it. You worry about the seriousness that could happen. We're talking to Dr. Harvey Risch from Yale. Can you uh, back up a little bit? You started ticking off some points about where we are and what we've learned, and, and you started with the vaccine. What else have we learned about the vaccine? Well, we learned that, that we have been gas-lighted tremendously over time about the adverse effects of these vaccines, that um, we were brainwashed to think that they were safe and effective with no real data in support of that. And over time, as the amounts of uh, people who were damaged by the vaccines, who, who um, got chronic conditions from the vaccines or who died from the vaccines, you know, started coming out, I think it gets to the point where people no longer see the vaccines as being safe. And, you know, you, it, you can't be gaslit when you know of family members or friends or friends of friends who've died from this vaccine or who've died within a few days of taking the vaccine. It, once everybody has that knowledge, you can't be told it's safe and effective anymore. Well, the safe and effective judgment first was a jumping of the gun, right? That was a marketing campaign because it would take years to know if it's safe and effective, right? Well, that's correct. So why was why was the marketing campaign being used? If something if people could see that something was helpful and safe for them, they would choose to do it. Why, you know, I mean, why did they need a marketing campaign? Well, if you are to shine a happy light on it, you would say the politicians were scared. 
they thought that this might have been a much worse virus than it was, and they wanted to be able to corral people and control their behaviors to slow the spread while they figured out how to cope with it. So that means the politicians believe their own propaganda? It means the politicians out of fear were would have been, uh, under this scenario, trying to hope that all the things they were doing would work and that the virus wasn't as bad as it could be, and it turned out not to be as bad. And that allows them now to be able to point at the vaccine uh, and say they were correct to force it on everyone. I had someone tell me the other night, well, I can talk like... Um, like COVID isn't a big deal because when I got it, I'd already had the vaccine and a booster and uh, I dealt with it easily. Do we know whether that's true or not? No. And the, the kind of the cynical comment about that is um, he died, but if he hadn't been vaccinated, it would have been so much worse. <laughs> the, um, it, you, if, you know, I, I, there's no way, I mean, I, uh, I know plenty of people who were not vaccinated who got COVID in the Omicron era for whom it was not a big deal. Um, and I know people who were vaccinated who got COVID multiple times, three or more times mm-hmm. after their multiple vaccines or during and after their multiple vaccines. So you, we could argue this on an individual basis forever, and there's no way of saying anything definitive about that. But Because we have no control. We have no environment in which uh, we hadn't been giving people all these vaccines well that and in the definitive relationships of vaccination to the outcome can only be determined on large-scale statistical studies and that haven't been done and the only ones that we're seeing now are the insurance company data that have come out over the last year that shows increased all-cause mortality starting in the third quarter uh, of 2021 among people aged uh, 18 to 64, working class people who are generally considered to be health, you know, a very healthy subgroup of the population. And when those people started dying, I think the, the I forgot the name of the insurance company in, in Illinois that remarked about a 40% increased um, mortality in, in their insureds. That just doesn't happen by chance. And then over the next six, nine months, five or six more insurance companies were reporting uh, substantially increased payouts from that period, the end of, of 2021 going into 2022, compared to the previous year during which COVID was still quite a, the original COVID was around and doing whatever it was doing. And, and yet, after the, the large vaccine rollouts had occurred, then they were seeing increased mortality nine months to a year later after those rollouts. Wait, hang on a sec. So the comparison year is year to year on the vaccine and this new data showing a spike in deaths. And that's data that we have for every year. What is the normal number of people to die? We would have expected a higher normal rate during COVID before the vaccines, but you're saying when the vaccine penetrated the environment, then we, we got a higher death rate. That's correct. Uh, there was a slight I- increase in the, the COVID, the first COVID year without vaccines compared to 2019, the previous year. But the year after that, 
2021 uh, compared to 2020, it was up by 25 to 40 percent, which which for the insurance companies is a whopping amount. It's not something they ever see in fluctuation. It means it costs them a lot of money, so they notice it. Yes, definitely. What else have we learned? Well, we still know that early treatments with hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin are very effective combined with um, steroids, vitamin D, zinc, antibiotics, and, and other medications can be used very effectively. Vitamin Are you saying D, that's course, a, a necessary combination, that it's a cocktail, or that all those things work? It's a cocktail, but the cocktail can be tailored for each individual, and that's what doctors are supposed to do when they actually practice medicine, is to be able to treat each patient individually, figure out what the patient can tolerate and what they can't t- tailor their 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 cocktail for for them, give them as much. So we know that that viruses are not one pill treatable. That AIDS is two different medications at, at least. That the viruses seem to manage to do partially well against a single medication. So they need multiple um, hits from various angles to to really knock them out. And the same is true for these respiratory viruses like the uh, COVID and these medications in these combinations do quite well and they're completely safe, virtually completely safe. Dr. Harvey Risch is our guest, professor emeritus at Yale University and epidemiologist. I recall you telling me about how you were one of those guys who would sit on panels for approving, maybe approving drugs. I don't recall exactly what it was, but you, you're operating at a high level in your industry and that some suddenly that changed for you, the attitude towards you shifted in the middle of these fights. Is that, am I remembering that correctly? Well, nobody cared except the person whose grant was being reviewed, you know, what I and the other reviewers on grant panels at NIH were saying. It, there was no public interest in that because there was no public application of that. You know, suddenly everybody's underwear was being revealed in public because we were all saying things and and everybody was weighing in, you know, both the public and uh, other scientists, other doctors, other people in government. Everybody was weighing in on this in social media. What have you learned from that point of view about the public square and what caused the targeting of how it was that the land of the free became the, the walls closed in on it the way they did? And, and what, do you know what the force was that decided that was going to be the response to COVID? Well, it obviously came from the government. The amount of government investment in money into social media is enorm- was enormous. And, it, and the fact that various uh, branches of the government had people, their own employees, working in social media to do the censoring, uh, and not just a few, um, from the FOIA information that was revealed, shows that the massive collusion of the government to control the the narrative about what was being said the, the flip side or the, the other thing to think about about that is that if you have two scientific opinions and you debate them you know they disagree and you debate them each side pulls up its evidence and its opinions and says this is how i reason the other says this is how i reason and you know intelligent uh, viewers can weigh all of the pros and cons of each position and come to rational conclusions however if one side has no rational evidence for its position, it can't defend itself. And so the only way it can defend itself is by smearing or attacking or censoring the other, the other side. By rigging the political environment 
so the the news they don't like doesn't doesn't have legs. That's correct. It's and, a scary thing, and it was a scary period to go through. I, I found it quite impactful when we spoke, and I realized the amount of stress you were under for having your – you were exercising the practice of science and scientific thinking and scientific protocols, and those were being attacked – for the nature of of conclusions that you were coming to because you were following what science told you and the way they maligned people like you was saying you weren't following the science right without providing counter science do you think that have you seen that dynamic uh, expand or migrate to other areas or has it gone away or are we back to normal it's all over the place what this did is it pulled back the covers on the politicization of science. Harvey, you still there? Hello, hello. I'm going to put Harvey on hold and uh, see if you can reconnect with him because uh, we're just getting to good stuff there. Thank you, Roland. The um, This is, I see a lot of overlap between what Harvey is talking about and what is going on with with the um, January 6th attacks. He's just reconnecting with us right now, and we'll get him on the air as, as soon as we can. Uh, this dynamic, well, if you remember where you were in your thought, Harvey, you can just go right back into it. Okay. Do you, go ahead, you're on the air. Yes. What, what, do you recall where you were on what you were saying? So can you pick uh, that you sentence back no, up? I'm sorry, that dropped off and took me a couple seconds here. We were we were talking about the, um, you know, the migration of this attitude. Where are we now with the anti-science attitude? Ah, uh, yes. So what's been discovered is it's everywhere that um, any topic that has the least little political um, interests or commercial interests, financial interests, is subject to all of these motivations coming from everywhere. And, um, and and I don't know if it's good for us as a society. It's good to recognize that this is happening, but the, uh, the other part of it is that we need tools to be able to deal with it. So, for example, uh, a colleague of mine who works in air pollution discovered some time ago that the studies that were done by the American Cancer Society apparently did not adequately analyze their data on air pollution and mortality. And he has had available to him the raw data. He reanalyzed it, showed that their conclusions were wrong, and has been able to make no headway. Meanwhile, you have the Biden administration pushing to tighten the air particulates rules for clamping down on, on cars and trucks. And this, this is all part of a political um, means of promoting a, a political belief system of, about climate change rather than dealing with the actual scientific facts and the trade-offs between the degrees of emissions and the effects of those emissions, you know, in regulating our society. And so this stuff is going on in a lot of places. And there's no there's no air because the media in general are not covering this, and so they get away with it because 
people basically do what they want to do, and there's no pushback because hardly anybody knows about it, and the people who do aren't getting the media exposure to to do the pushing back. Right, because it 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 meet it it falls nicely into a desired narrative, and so let's leave the um, let's leave the bad information out there to be believed because it goes in the direction we want to go. Are there right. other things? Uh, we just have two minutes left. Are there other things that we've learned from this experience that we need to hold close as we uh, await another crisis? Well, we've learned all of the lies that the government has, the government people have said about almost everything related to the pandemic in order to form the narrative that they wanted to inflict, starting from even from the origin of, of the virus and all the FOIA information on Tony Fauci's uh, comments and his organization trying to make the virus appear that it came from a, an animal uh, crossover rather than that it was bioengineered, which it virtually certainly was. Um, the Matt Hancock, who was the Minister of Health for UK, was, is now on record as saying, we have to tell them there's a new and deadly strain out there so that we can inflict more fear in them so we can control them, meaning the public. Th this has been the nature of what has been pushing the narrative onto the, the population that was false from the beginning. So the public health industry... Uh, is problematic because it's a it's a it's taking science and turning it into politics so that people can be controlled. That's the goal of public health, isn't it? Well, I think we really have to rethink public health and, and what it is. The public health has all, always thought it had to be a little paternalistic. That but we public health people know better than the general public, so we'll guide you as to the best behaviors. But what it did is it it ratcheted that up. To absurdity, saying we will d determine what your behaviors will be, and we will tell you what you can and can't do, and we know better. Even when we're wrong, we know better. Dr. Harvey Rich, thank you so much for being here. I'll reach out to you again soon, and we'll do it again, okay? Sure. Great to talk with you. Thank you. All right. Good to have you here. Harvey Rich from Yale. He's an epidemiologist, a professor emeritus, a high-level guy. We're going to break for news. If you want to talk about Harvey, we can. If you want to talk about January 6th, we can. Bob, will get to you first when we continue on WTIC. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Why wait? Come on. Oh, come on. Why wait? You can rent right now at 860-751-4698 on the Todd Feinberg Show. Yeah, it's quite remarkable. The more you learn about everything, the more the more remarkable it gets. 860-522-9842. I was just listening to a tape from a presidential candidate talking about how you can he was told by a consultant you can pay to uh, to place better in the poll at CPAC that just took place. I'll play you that in a little while. But let's get some phone calls. 860-522-9842. If you want to do a rant, 751-4698. Bob in Newington, you've been waiting a long time. Thank you, sir. Hello. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was listening to Dr. Harvey and stuff, and it's all about believing in the science. you got to believe in the science, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what we were told. Well, here's my science. I'm 65 years old, and I have not been vaccinated. I have not been sick at all in the last three years. And, you know, my girlfriend, who has been vaccinated and boosted, tested positive for COVID. My daughter, who has been vaccinated because she's an EMT, you know, and been boosted, you know, had COVID twice after being vaccinated and boosted. So it's like we got to believe in our immune systems. You know, well, we do. And it it may be that, you know, some people may know they have good immune systems so are bolder about it. It also could be that the more bold you feel that that impacts the way your your system performs. And we don't. Those are subtleties we can't really sort out. What's that, Bob? But I I absolutely agree with that. It's, It's all about attitude and how you live your life. But it's like it also makes me wonder. It's like, who has investments in Pfizer and Moderna and stuff? You know, they don't tell about that. Does Dr. Fauci, who's been pushing this and saying, hey, you got to get vaccinated for her. You know, I've had doctors tell me I got to get vaccinated because uh, we need herd immunity. You know, it's like, yeah, well, let the herd get, get the vaccine. You know, it's survival of the fittest. Or let the herd That's get the sick. That's the way I feel. All right. Thank you for that, Bob. Yeah, the herd immunity thing was uh, surprisingly debunked by the same people who promoted it uh, once we got further on in the pandemic. There's so much about the pandemic that has so much to learn. and It's so much to teach us. And we have so much to learn about politics from everything. Everything is uh, politics. And people who have a vested interest are the ones who are always trying to drive narratives and those narratives seem to be driven off cliffs a lot of the times. Let's go to Michael next. Hey, Michael. 
a first-time caller. Love the show. Thank you, sir. Great to hear from you. What uh, my fellow Americans need to understand is is all of these things, none of it was happenstance, as you've described uh, a, a few times, at least I've heard in a little while here. The um, the I like to call it the pandemic. I, I believe the pandemic was already sitting on a shelf, was already humanly conceived, and uh, the pandemic actually got put into place minutes after Hillary lost in 2016. She wasn't supposed to lose. Um, I don't know how much you've heard about the Dominion machines. I believe this cheat was supposed to be in also there, but that software malfunctioned in the favor of Donald Trump at the time. And they knew they couldn't let that fox in that hen house of the previous 30 or 40 years of seditious and treasonous activity. So the pandemic was there for a two-pronged reason. First of all, not to get Donald Trump his second term and also to cover up all their uh, nefarious acts in the previous three to four or five decades. Do you have any specific evidence or is that just a theory that you've developed based that, on that, the... all these are hypotheses but but the funny thing is i'm one of those so-called conspiracy theorists that i'm just a, a simple theorist now because <laughs> I've, I've been talking i've been talking about this since since this first all got released on us i mean think about it they weren't hiding anything because they knew absolutely that hillary was going to win as soon as as soon as trump won Ah, sorry, we lost you, Mike. Thank you for the call. Good to talk with you. We'll call back again soon. RP's in Wallingford. Hey, RP. Hi, Todd. Um, well, yesterday, I think the first time ever, I, I disagreed with you on the phone. Um, but um, a couple things. Well, first, about, and this all fits together. Just give me a second. So, Tucker. Um, did Are you on, if you're on speaker, is there any chance you could pick up the phone? Yeah, you know what? I'm going to get off. I'm going to get off the highway. And, okay. And hopefully, can you, is this better? Uh, not not much, tiny bit, okay. but it's hard that? on speakerphone. But keep talking on speakerphone until okay. you can pick up. Okay, so um, I said that uh, I was not excited about talking out with the truth because the, the people that think the way they think are still going to think the way they think. They're just going to say it, that was Tucker, and and our side is going to say, well, you're you know NBC has uh, downplayed this, and that's of course that's NBC. So, but there's got to be a way to objectively, like, not everything is an opinion, right? So there's got to be some stuff that is based on uh, reality. So what I do is, now, yesterday you were talking to that guy on the phone. He was saying, oh, Trump's only in it for himself. Well, first of all, nobody knows that. Um, And second of all, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But you certainly can make just as strong a case for Biden, if not stronger, uh, that he's only in it for himself. Now, at least... Trump got great results for the country. Biden so far has not and will not. Um, so now what do you do? So now you got to look at the two candidates because they're probably going to run against each other again. And you got to say, OK, which one is pro- more likely in it for himself? And the only way I can gauge it is on who has cleaned up financially while in office and who has taken a beating. Well, well hang now, on Trump- a sec. RP, why is that question relevant, given that we've already seen that Joe Biden being president is not working out well and that that Donald Trump did a much better job comparatively if if by comparison we already know which is the better president right why are you worried about going down all the way down to the end of that road no because that guy that called in yesterday say how could anybody vote for Trump when they know he's just in it for himself so my point was well nobody knows if he's in it for himself and nobody knows. So I could make the same case against Joe Biden and say he's only in it for himself. Right? But all you have so, to say is if they're both in it for themselves, 
which maybe they are. Maybe you're right, you could say to him. But guess what? We got much better results with Trumping president. So end of right, conversation. But yeah, but it's just as important to find out which guy took a financial beating because if Trump took a financial beating from four and a half to two and a half billion dollars worth of net worth, and Biden has done nothing but clean up uh, over the last five to ten years, okay? If you're trying to gauge who's in it for themselves, don't you think that the guy that's been financially prospering is probably a better pick out of the two? So how could for that guy to come out and say Trump is only in it for himself? It's ridiculous argument. It's it's idiotic for him to say that. I mean, you have to look at the money. You have to. Or what else? How else can you judge who's in it for themselves? I don't think you can judge. I think it's way too complex. And humans well, are too complex, and human motivations are too complex. And I, I finances of Trump's enterprises are, are too complex. And, and we can look at Joe Biden and just say, this guy's a really bad president. And right. guess what? Well, we knew that every time he ran before, and we knew it as we watched him as a U.S. senator. I had an uncle who died maybe 15 years ago, and, and he was— uh, uh, a big p political activist and actor right. in mm -hmm. Massachusetts and a Democrat, big liberal Democrat. And he told me about Joe Biden and said, this guy, nobody, nobody respects the guy. Decades ago, he told me this. He's a dummy. Nobody respects his intelligence. That's who he is. It's not complicated to put the guy down. So I just, right, I just think you're working too hard to uh, want to compare them. It's really easy which guy would be the better president. Okay, between... well, I mean, but you didn't say any of that to the guy that called in. You let him skate on it. Well, well because I don't, told... I don't consider it some big moment when somebody says something bad about Trump. It doesn't bother me. I no, don't no, believe it I know, in... but he was saying, but Go what ahead. he was saying, how could he possibly defend what he was basically doing was defending, and I'm, I can vote for DeSantis in a second, so don't, don't think I'm just Trump, Trump, Trump. But how he could make that argument when his guy is just god off um is it's mind-boggling and and you didn't say anything back to him to at least i wish you would have said the thing about well, who has been a better president um but you didn't you just let him let him go and it, it just irritated me. <laughs> well i'm glad you <laughs> the, what you're supposed to do when you get irritated is call in and and make noise about it and that you know that sometimes i just sit there and don't say anything because i'm imagining you driving around in your um, Uber and uh, getting getting red faced, and I'm thinking, oh, good, RP will call. <laughs> well, that's true, but I'm glad I got in about that. Thank you, RP. Thank good you. to talk with you. Right, bye bye. And thanks for thanks for picking up the phone. I appreciate. It. We've got to take a quick break, and then we'll take more phone calls coming up on WTIC. Now, back to the Don Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. All right, let's talk to Bill in Granby next. Hey, Bill. Hey, Todd. Um, just wanted to call in to, you know, talk about the pandemic and January 6th. There are no accidents uh, in life. These things are all orchestrated, you know, the... The FBI put Ray Epps, everybody's seen the video footage of what happened in real time, that barriers, people were escorted into the into the Capitol like they were on a high school tour. Mm -hmm. uh, everybody saw that footage, and then it came down later on. And Ray Epps was out there as a FBI provocateur or an agent provocateur, and there were probably 
many hundreds of others. And, you know, Epps was on the most wanted list. All of a sudden, he disappears the next day because, uh, you know, people find out that he's, pro- that he's an inside agent. So you're saying you know, if we look closely, we can see that all of this is uh, choreographed. It's all choreographed. It's all hiding in plain sight. And anybody that's really looking and observing, you know, that it was obvious the day that it happened what was going on, right? I mean... There, there were people walking around the inside of the Capitol that were being escorted by police officers, Capitol Police. They were cordially being invited. The, the Capitol Police were holding the door open, inviting people in and ushering them around the building. Um, now, it's true that outside the building, in another section of the building, there was this altercation that was going on. But there's a lot of people that say that they witnessed buses of people that were dropped off, probably agent provocateurs, and the people that busted down the barriers and were scaling the building were, you know, were very likely FBI agents, just like they were in the Gretchen Whitmer case. But even if they weren't, there's a dynamic of, of uh, a progression of events that unfolds, and you can Correct. watch a lot of video of peacefulness all day and there could be just a few minutes of violence and if you only focus on on propagating the video that shows the violence and you tell a story about how this was a violent mob that came to to to, uh, pull off a coup on behalf of Donald Trump then you can alter perceptions based on distorting the delivery of information Exactly. And half the country is going to believe that because that's the narrative that they want to believe. And the other half won't believe it. Um, but if you look at if you're if you're actually a critical thinker and you look at and you're willing to accept either argument based on the facts and circumstances or. Bill, we lost you. Thank you for the call, sir. George calling from St. Louis. What's up, George? Hi, Todd. Uh, January 6th. Uh... All of COVID was based on falsified information. They're also falsifying climate change. Well, uh, specifically, they they say the the, the oceans are going to are going to rise seven feet. Uh, there's a guy twenty who lived twenty three hundred years ago. You should read it sometime. His name was Archimedes. He 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 said that the displacement of water to ice remains the same. In this case, we're talking about molten lava. The continents float on molten lava. The, the coastlines will remain the same because the displacements of gla- you know, ice, ice to glaciers and, and that to water all remains the same. Therefore, there will be no uh, rise, seven-foot rise in the oceans. The shoreline stays the same as, as where it always was. They're falsifying that data as well. I remember that guy, Archimedes, from uh, freshman year in college, philosophy. It was the best course I ever took. Thank you, George. 860-522-9842. Well, Mark Christopher. Mark, you sent me a nice picture. Thank you for... Showing me the inside scoop. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.